Hi, Avril here from Access Credit Union. We are delighted to once again sponsor the Star Sports Podcast. As part of our range of new business loans, we now offer Cultivate Farm Finance, the farmer-friendly loan package. With a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by Access Credit Union. To find out more, go to accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate, call me on 085 268 2727 or 028 21883, where a member of our team will be happy to help you with your inquiry. Close your eyes and pull like a dog. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. We're a man down this week, so we're going to bring you a classic edition of the podcast from the archives today. But don't fret, we'll have a new episode out later in the week. Back in November of 2020, we were joined on the show by Cork and Castlehaven legend, Larry Tompkins for a wide-ranging, long-form interview about his life, his footballing career and his book Believe, which he co-wrote with friend of the show, Dennis Hurley. Larry spoke to Kieran on that occasion on what was our landmark 100 episode. We're absolutely, absolutely delighted on the 100 episode of the Star Sport podcast to be joined by GA royalty Larry Tompkins. Um, Larry, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Kieran. Delighted to be honest and Delighted to kind of uh, show some bit of an input down there in the West. It's great. I had many great days down there, so just delighted to be on your show, yeah. Yeah, but like I said, we're delighted to have you, Larry. And the reason, I suppose, we're chatting to you too, your book, your autobiography, Believe, which is available in all good bookshops right now and available to buy online, is um, just making headlines right right across the country and the country. First off, Larry, congratulations. Absolutely fantastic read. Um, great job by Dennis Hurley on this it captures your story, um, which is a, a unique and brilliant story. And you you had so many challenges on the football field, like you were such a top-class footballer. But how big a challenge was it for you, Larry, to put your thoughts into words with Dennis and to write this book? It was initially. Uh, it wasn't easy because um, when I finished playing, uh, loads of people were on to me what I consider writing a book. And um, even when I was manager then, uh, the same thing, probably not as many, but still quite a few were on to me, considering about writing the book. And I suppose my first thing was like that, you know, reading and being uh, looking at books previously. Um, I thought a lot of the books kind of were kind of replica matches, and and no disrespect to any of the guys that have written books, but um, I kind of didn't want that. I kind of wanted a kind of a story, um, and. I suppose two years ago, Liam Hayes was my publisher, and I suppose came across Liam a good few times uh, playing against him and uh, been involved in Kildare 
uh, met Liam, I suppose, since I was about 16 years of age. So he asked me again two years ago, and, and I suppose he, he kind of hit it with me that, you know, he was lucky to play with the club and then lucky enough to play for his county. I suppose my journey was completely different. Like, I had two fantastic clubs, one in Kildare and, and one in West Cork, and then played with four different counties. Like, so I had a bit of a, a litany of... Uh, a litany of journeys and I suppose I wanted to kind of personalize it then in relation to my I suppose my family and my daughter went through an incredible uh, procedure of a lot of operations and um, you know she kind of was kind of the brave heart to me really at the end of the story and um, I kind of when I thought about it I said yeah it, it would be nice maybe to kind of um, write it and put it together and um, Hopefully it's an honest and it's 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 more of a story and a journey and been involved in so many counties and the two great clubs that I mentioned. Um, just wanted the people to kind of uh, grab hold of it and feel that they're part of the book and um, just wanted to put it down in writing. Um, never thought it would uh, would be such hard work. It's, it's it was really harder than winning all Ireland, but you know, fair play to uh, Dennis Hurley. I, I, Dennis was. Uh, uh, incredible he was an encyclopedia really into the matches i didn't really have to kind of uh, i lost my memory in a good few ways but he kind of relived a lot of those memories with his knowledge and um of course liam hayes was fantastic then in relation to uh, i suppose getting the nitty-gritty of things and finalizing and of course just want to mention my wife then we sat down for a long time maybe to soul search really the the heart stopping stories to my journeys and um my family life and um, look um, just proud of the way it has turned out and hopefully you know people will get a good read from it and uh, hopefully we can all believe like this um, anything that can be uh, achieved if we've really put your mind to it. I suppose writing this book too Larry it was a journey for you like you said there you, you relived the highs and the lows of a of an incredible career. So through this process of writing the book with Dennis, like you said, he's done a fantastic job. He's forensic in his, in his knowledge of, of stats and facts and data. So, um, and th that shines true in the book. But reliving those highs and lows, what was that like for you personally? I suppose it was, a, look, you have to have lows like to, be, to, 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 to create something good. Um, it wouldn't be possible for a, a sports person like to go through life on a high all the time. Um, I think in order for you to be, uh, to get to hopefully to the top of your game, you need those lows. You need that kick in the backside. Um, you need to be able to get up in the morning after a game and realize like that there's a lot more to be done. Um, nobody sits comfortably or you shouldn't sit comfortably thinking like that you have arrived and are the best um, certainly that wasn't the way I kind of went along about things I would have I suppose entered a lot of these places that I've talked about initially like uh, between club and county as a challenge because I was new to the scene like I, I you know naturally I grew up in Kildare uh, played with the club Eatstown uh, from that to Kildare then to try and prove myself and then from there to New York and Tried to prove myself again um, with Donegal and from there then down to West Cork with Castlehaven to try and prove myself and then uh, got the opportunity to play with Cork. Um, so like, you know, everything was a challenge to me and, and look, I said in the book, I think challenges are good. I, I, I think to kind of um, 
make up the kind of the person of, of, of what he is and, and, and what he's about. And um, I think the greatest challenges is like when you're faced with uh, the losses to be able to gather that momentum to keep going. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of major losses and a lot of massive disappointments um, that really probably has stood to me really at the end of the day. Did I enjoy going over them? Um, of course I did. Like I love looking back, and 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 it was great to kind of relive those memories. And I didn't realize it like that. I would get that much satisfaction, like in relation to looking back and really kind of reliving every game and um, reliving like every year and every moment and kind of people that I met along the way, the journeys and um, the fantastic people that have been a massive help to me and. Uh, you know, I always kind of feel like that, you know, the, the unsung heroes are the people like that kind of set the foundation for you, you know, that are there from when you're a young age and driving you here, driving you there, um, always on your side, always help, willing to help out. Um, those are the kind of the forgotten people, but they're very close to my heart in, in relation to my career and your know, massive, massive admiration for all those people that go out day in, day out and uh, put their time and their effort into all the juvenile clubs and all the people that are going out there and helping out in any way. I think it's it's just massive. And certainly they, are, they have been really the love of my life as regards growing up and massive respect for all those. We talked there, Larry, about your about your challenges throughout your career and, and the journey you've taken. And I suppose the listeners of the of our podcast will be particularly interested in how a how a man from 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 Ratmore outside Nace, who was playing for Donegal in New York, ended up then in, in Castlehaven in this little pocket of of of, um, of West Cork because you were swapping the noise and the concrete jungle of New York for for the countryside of 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 Castlehaven. Just to we we'll go through this again, how that whole move came about because you were over playing football in New York and there was a couple of Castlehaven fellas in your ears telling you about this place back back in Cork that could be worth checking out. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of it. But um, look, um, as you know, for like, look, Kieran, you probably know better than most, like in relation to West Cork, the love of the football down there, the the fanaticism, like that, particularly Castlehaven, like there was, they're they're just fanatical, like and. I suppose whether you play it or you don't from there, whether you're a supporter, or you're a player, or whatever, everybody talks the same language. Everybody talks to one subject. Everybody goes to mass, comes out of it to talk about the match. Everybody goes to the match. So, look, um, this was where, you know, this was kind of heaven for me because, like, I was fanatical, like, in relation to trying to get the best out of myself. So, look, it was a chance. It was... I always say in life, you, t- you you walk around the corner and your life could change. And that's kind of the way it happened for me. It, it was, I went to New York, playing, I was I was absolutely lovely in New York. I was a carpenter by trade. I had, you know, loads of opportunities, loads of work, earning good money. Um, this is where I've seen my life really for a long time to be. And um, playing with a great team at Donegal, we had a fantastic crop of players like they were from, uh, all corners of, of, of Ireland really I suppose the biggest representative uh, representation was from Cork and four of those guys were from Castlehaven like we had the two Collinses Anthony Collins and Vincey Collins and you had Martin O'Mahony who was um, 
who was living now down in Castle Avon now uh, at the moment he kind of came home the same time as I did and, and, and stayed there and Martin Connolly who has now moved on to San Francisco and has uh, a big business over there a big bar business over there so Martin was originally from Drina but had transferred uh, back in his younger days to Castle Avon so those four guys were, were playing with Donegal in New York and each one of them after games, certainly Archie, you would you would be having your few bottles of beer and you'd be enjoying the the moments after the games in Gaelic Park. And what people realize probably don't realize like that Gaelic Park was the mecca and New York was the mecca of emigration at that time. And everybody flocked to New York. Like it wasn't Australia. It wasn't uh, which was the I suppose afterwards kind of got a lot of people emigrating to it, but. New York was the real big spot for the emigration for the Irish in the 80s. And what you had like was a, 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 a crowd of eight to 10,000 people nearly every Sunday turning up to Gaelic Park. You had the influx of some fantastic players like that were from different counties, including myself. And Parik Dunn was another guy that had played with Offaly and won and Ireland with Offaly in 1982. He emigrated with me. Um, you had loads of great players like from every county in Ireland like that had emigrated to New York. So like teams are very strong, football was very good and it was the Mecca of Irish people meeting there of a Sunday afternoon, partaking in five or six games, whatever was within Hurling and football. And then afterwards then just having a few beers and you wouldn't know who you'd meet in in, in, in the bar there. So look it was home from home I felt uh, I felt very kind of wanted. I felt very um, at home there, and equally, I suppose meeting these guys like they talked the same language as I did, and and all of the uh, most of their conversations was Castlehaven when we used to kind of talk afterwards. So like, uh, I'd be brutally honest now. You obviously to Castlehaven because I didn't even know where Castlehaven was. I didn't even know where what part of Cork it was. It could have been anywhere, but. Um, look, it just stemmed from there, really. They, 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 it was it became a joke in relation to they saying sometime they might they'd love to go back and try to win a county with Castlehaven, and so I listened to them and not had not had the initial stage that they ever think that it was going to wear their colours, but uh, they chipped away and uh, they chipped away, and I suppose like I just seeing their uh, I suppose when somebody talks. Uh, whether you're talking to a team or you're talking to a person, I think uh, people realise how honest a person can be, like in relation to that conversation, and how infectious they are and the desire to have in relation to what they were talking about. So, like, I felt with each one of those fellows, like that, every one of them were infectious, every one of them were fanatical, every wanted, every one of them wanted so much to be able to go home and try to be able to win a county with Castlehaven. So that kind of grew on me, even though, again, as I said, it, and not with my wildest dreams initially that I ever think that I was going to be, be on that plane with them coming back, you know. So that's how it happened. And I suppose it chipped away for a couple of years before it finally did happen. Is the, the Castlehaven powers of persuasion, like you know, Larry, they're, they're quite strong with, with, with when, they, when they want to be. Because even in the book, when I, when I was reading it, like, you love New York. You love the pace of it. You love the early mornings. You love getting a coffee in the morning, getting a donut on, on, the, on the train, you know, kind of, you really like that lifestyle over there. So for those Castlehaven, those four men over there to convince you 
to swap life there for West Cork kind of um, like it was obviously a very very big decision for you so how sure were you that you were making the right decision leaving behind that life in New York and coming to Castlehaven? Sure, I wasn't sure. Like it was just, um, I just realised like that I had got very friendly with these guys. I never, I wasn't working with them. I was playing football with them. I was training with them during the week. We were having great crack. They were great mates. They were great friends. Um, you know, we had we were developing a serious team in New York. We had, you know, we had won the New York Championship in '85. Uh, we had won again in '86. We were an incredible serious team. Like there would have been. I suppose it was said so many times like that 86 final in, in New York we we hammered Cavan in the final and Cavan had 13 inter-county players like and, and we absolutely wiped them off the floor like and we, we, we I suppose our manager like Donald Gallagher that kind of time said like and we were all saying like Jesus would be an awful pity like if we didn't bring this home, team home to Ireland and just pit ourselves again the best counties in the lead up to their championships say the following May uh, go for three weeks um, see how we do against these counties and it was something that we cherished for the rest of our lives so I suppose that kind of uh, set a little bit of a tone in relation to maybe we were going to tour in 87 uh, we were going back with Donegal and this was kind of organised like on uh, 86 probably December 86 that um, we had made this decision and uh, the lads over there in New York were fundraising in relation to try and uh, get the event happen. And we were hoping to play four counties. So the four counties that were organised was Mayo, uh, or sorry, Cork first, Mayo, uh, Leash and Donegal. Um, so that was kind of the format of, of, of the tour. So I suppose then the lads seen an opportunity like that, um, they were going to commit themselves to stay at home then uh, after the tour and to try and just put in their lot with Castlehaven. And that's how it kind of chipped away a bit more. They asked, they, they kind of said, Jesus, why don't you stay for a few months? You have nothing to lose, you know what I mean? So, so give it a go, you know what I mean? So we'll be all coming back to America again. And Like at this stage, it was, you know, there was no talk about Cork, there was no talk about inter-county scene, nothing like that. So, Look, it just so happened that I had been home for a long time and um, Lord of mercy, my mother and father, they were great people and they hadn't seen me for quite a while. So, look, it, it was an opportunity. I was going back and I said, so look, um, I have nothing to lose. And it happened, as I said in the book, exactly uh, of a January night uh, when I was out training and running uh, through the depths of snow. And um, look... Things go through your head and you say to yourself in life, uh, is, there a, is, there, is, there, is there a right time to do it? Is there not? I think you just have to just go for it and um, just take that chance and take that challenge. And um, look, I was going to West Cork. I was going to a club that I didn't know. I, know, I knew a few of the lads and actually I knew the lads in America. I would have heard of Niall Callan. I would have heard of John Cleary. Um, Mike McGuire had been out a few times um, to New York so look I was going there as an unknown really and, um, and but I knew like that if there was if there were anything like the lads that had been talking to in New York uh, them four lads well then it would have been an easy place to fit into so um, I just decided on that January night that I'd give it a go
you describe your joining Castlehaven as a ma in, in the book you describe it as a match made in heaven and it certainly proved out that way in the in, in the years to come with the county titles that follow that followed when you joined the club first so what were your first impressions of I suppose the area the people the club the team itself kind of did you feel right at home there straight away and when you looked at the team did you say Jesus this 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 crowd has potential to go to win that first county title so I suppose when I, when I was kind of added up initially, um, you know, I was thinking about it even in New York before I even came home. Um, I said, geez, there was four serious players in America. Myself, five. You had Nike Hellan, who had been uh, a prominent name, and John Cleary. So I said, that's seven. Mike McGuire's a hell of a player as eight. I, I knew John Cleary's brother, who played on the 21 with Cork Dennis. Uh, so like straight away, I said, geez, that's 10 or 11 serious players. And of course, you had Mick Burns, the Lord of Mercy, and they passed away. And Mick was playing with Cork as well. So, look, I said, "Geez, if we if we get uh, four or five other players from anywhere, so like we we'd have a we must have a serious chance." So, that was kind of going through my head. But like I suppose initially, kind of when I when I kind of went down there and grew into the area, and I was staying in Union Hall, and uh, I was staying at uh, Lord of Mercenary. She's passed away now since Nora DC. Uh, I was staying up there by the church in Union Hall, and sure. Of course, the famous field, the black field that we call just down below me, uh, just uh, walked down the little hill, um, and of course the Collins brothers, they were they were they were they were, they were a massive uh, they were a massive help to me all the time, and, and I suppose Christy, me being a carpenter, I got to know Christy probably better than anybody then because I I became working then with Christy and um, and. I was a I was a far cry from working in Manhattan, Cairden, that I ended up working initially in Shirkin Island. So, uh, where I think there was only something like that time. I think there was only something like uh, there was hardly twenty people living over on the island. I'd say that time, and and we were building a house for a priest over there. So, well, I, I knew I knew straight away anyway that I, I'd have the blessings anyway of of, of of the area when I was building a house for the priest. So um, look. Uh, what can I say about the area? The area, uh, it, it was, it was, it was quiet. Uh, Union Hall was quiet, and initially, as I said in my book, um, what a lot of people don't uh, realize is that my transfer hadn't gone through. I wasn't able to play with Castlehaven. Uh, it was being held up from Kildare, and every night that time there was no mobile phones. That time, uh, every night. I used to walk down that little hill and walk down into into the village and there was a telephone box there in the middle of the village and I used to ring my mother every night and I'd say to my mother, I said, I'm getting out of here. Jeez, this place is this place is, is is dead, like you know what I mean, dead as regards what it was used to in in in, in no, no disrespect for the area because I love it. Um but it just felt like that I couldn't play games. I was training but I, I felt like that maybe my transfer was never going to get through and every day and every night and every weekend I was heading back to America like and every phone call every evening to my mother was I'm going back to America and then whether it was Francis Collins or Christy Collins would say oh hold on it'll be sorted it'll be sorted in a couple of days Frank Murphy's on the case and that's how it kind of lingered on for a good few weeks. And it was, to say the least, I had my bags packed so many times to head for Shannon Airport and go. Uh, but I think it was just uh, 
I think it was just the 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 lads been just there and just uh, the the I suppose the respect I, I I would never I don't think I'd ever let anyone down if I felt I was going to be committed to them and I held on for them because I didn't want to let them down because they they were the they were the people that I was very close to them four lads and um, I just wanted to kind of uh, see it out and. Um, but lots of great families in, 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 in Union Hall that made me very special, like the, the Catalans, the Clearies, um, you know, Nora Maguire, the Maguires, like Nora Maguire became a great, I suppose, like my second second mother, really. She was the kind of, the when when everything else is happening around the place, here you are, like, uh, as a lonely child in, 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 in Castle Avon, not really knowing that many people, but you, I got great comfort in relation to going down to Castle Downs and then just, Kind of sitting down with her and and having just um, just ordinary chats like that I would have with my mother and um, she was she was a fantastic person and um, you know I can't talk enough about the Castlehaven players that were just uh, you know they were every each and every one of them was 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 incredibly helpful and um, uh, you know I suppose. Massively welcoming uh, to the to the area. It wasn't a sting that I was kind of coming in from the outside, and you were an outsider. I never ever felt that in Castlehaven, never, and uh, just uh, so 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 privileged myself to have word of colours. I just can't describe like the honour. The wisdom of hindsight now, looking back, Larry, kind of waiting on those couple of days and weeks for those transfer papers to go through was probably one of the best decisions you made because. I'm going to fast forward to '89 now, and that's such an important year for 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 Castlehaven. They won the first senior county title, and you were a huge part of that. The final against the Bears, I think you got men of the match, and and in the book you were saying even beforehand, you, you just felt good, like you felt you could win that match on its own. You know, kind of looking back at that game against the Bears, and even more so what it meant for the club after. Could you appreciate how important it was for Castlehaven to win their first senior county title, and how much I suppose. Back in West Cork, back around Union Hall, Castle Towns, and how much it meant to the people down there. Well, without doubt, it was probably um, probably the greatest day of my life, like as regards, like not so much that I was man of the match, and I and, and I, I think it was probably from from start to finish, it was probably the greatest game I ever played. I think, but just the joy to see the people that I had become. Uh, friendly with and knew over the few years before that I seen the massive disappointments like from 87 like when we lost to Muskery and Clannacilty and I was absolutely a disaster the same night like I couldn't kick a ball over the bar to save my life and the previous week I had played against Galway and I kicked 11 points in the semi-final and here for me I couldn't even buy a score in Clannacilty that night and I that was probably one of the most suffering defeats I ever had, and I, I sat in the dressing room for three hours afterwards, and I just couldn't believe what was that to happen. The following year was just uh, again, it was just uh, a game that could have went either way again. Um, Nemo Rangers, they were all earned club champions, and of course, what, uh, what we we have to remember here is that this was knockout, like there was no there was no second chances. And that happened in '88 in in May, like a real wet day, and Clonic Hilton were beaten by a pint. Um, so, what 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 was what was probably massively disappointing in '89 was like that the four lads, uh, three of those lads, couldn't commit to coming in '89. Like, and the only representative that was part 
that year was Martin O'Mahony who had stayed and uh, in Castlehaven was living in Castlehaven then whereas the other three guys the two Collinses and Martin Connolly had gone back to America and weren't able to commit in 89 the same way as they did the two previous years I suppose that was disappointing because they were the guys like that really were behind me to 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 bring me to Castlehaven, and 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 they were the different. They were the men like that. If I didn't meet them, you know, I I still think I would be still in New York. You know what I mean? And um, uh, but look, uh, it was a incredible day. It was just um, I just felt like the day before. Um, I had been invited down to the showgrounds in in Parky Kiev, uh, the outside there. There was an agricultural show on the night before the county final, and I was asked to go down and just kind of, uh, you know, attend a few of the the, the areas and uh, give a little bit of a talk there, or whatever. I think it lasts about an hour. Uh, I walked down from my pub, who I, who I had purchased at that time across from the train station, the pub in the guest house. And I walked down to Parky Keeve that night and um, it was dry, it was fine going, but when I came out of it, it was absolutely starting to rain and of course the stadium was just there and I just walked around. I, I don't know what brought me around that way to the stadium, but look, fate is fate and you, you look for everything and I would be a massive believer in fate. Like I just think that if you don't have fate, you don't have anything. And... Um, I just walked around by the stadium and the rain became harder and it came, it was absolutely torrential rain uh, and I just kneeled down. I, 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 in order, I think, when you're a bit mad, I think it helps to, to, to go places, but I just knelt down there and I just prayed to the Almighty God that it would give me the strength to have again my life tomorrow. It was something that I was there, I was in a county final and I had committed to come home and to try and win a county with these lads. And amazingly, I was captain. And um, it was just one of those moments when I walked back to the pub and I didn't even feel the rain belting off me. I had a cold shower, whatever it was. And I just remember the next day, just saying to Nikan, and I just felt I could beat these guys on my own. I just felt that good. And look, it was just one of those days that, um, look, we, 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 we were given no chance. The Bears had an incredible team, and uh, but I just felt it was one that we we weren't going to lose. And um, uh, final whistle went. It was just it was just like this, um, you know. No, uh, certain things in life can't buy those moments like, and uh, it was just one of those moments like this. It'll it'll relive in my memory for the rest of my days. Like you said, that's one of the greatest moments in Castlehaven's history. And we're kind of talking more on, on, on this podcast about Castlehaven rather than, 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 um, than your intercounty career at Cork. So I'm going to fast forward again now to, um, to 94. And that was the kind of down in West Cork. That's when West Cork stood still. It was Castlehaven against O'Donovan Rossa, um, county football final. Winter replay, there was drama, there was tension in the build up. There was sheep painted blue and let off loose in the mountain inside and skid. There was buildings painted blue, the roads were painted blue and white. It was an incredible build up from everyone I, I've spoken to. Um, for, for you, then, I suppose you were coming from the outside and you were, you were looking at this this huge rivalry between Castlehaven and Skib and a Skib team that had won the All Ireland only the year previously. And that probably, to be fair, that probably hurt down in Castlehaven, you know, kind of that Skib won the All Ireland. So could you since 
in the lead up to that game, Jesus, this this is a big one, you know, whatever about 89 against the Bars was such an important moment, but this final, Castlehaven can't lose because it's against the crowd over there. It's, 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 uh, it's against our neighbours. Yeah, look, uh, it's probably it was probably a little bit similar to, to, you know, at the inter-county scene, but uh, then a little bit different because you were talking me at, at inter-county scene, the chemists, the real giants of the game. Here you had Donovan and Russell, who were a hell of a team that had won in All-Ireland uh, in 92, and uh, Castlehaven, who had probably set the seeds maybe for a lot of teams in West Cork that anything could be achieved. And in fairness to a lot of West Cork teams, after Castlehaven won in 89, they really just took off. And uh, the standard of football in West Cork at that era was incredible. So, like, you had really the two giants of the football coming together. And, look, have no have no doubt about it. They, they didn't like each other. Um, there was uh, rightly what you said, like uh, you know, nights or weeks before that county final, there was the lines of the road were painted one night red and white, and uh, and the next night they were changed to blue and white. So and you had the uh, teddy bears being painted uh, red and white and blue and white another night, and th- this was. Uh, this was going on and there was groups of people going out all during the night to, to, to get the better of one another in relation to the build-up. And look, the, the, the bagging rights with anybody at, 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 at the, the core level of, I suppose, the rivalry becomes with your neighbours is huge-like. And this naturally will, will live in the memory forever, like in relation to a county final, um, you had the crowds that attended it, um, the players that were involved in it, the fantastic players like the Skibreen had, like Lord Emerson, Mick McCarthy, um, you know, you had the Driscolls, uh, you, you had um, uh, Ian Breen, the Davises, like you had incredible level of footballers like uh, in relation to Donovan Ross and equally with uh, Castlehaven, like you had guys like that from both sides like that, uh, had contributed so much to the inter-county scenes and with Cork, at, whether it was mine or under 21 and at senior level. And a lot of these guys had, had went to school together uh, through Skibbereen and stuff. So, um, Narchi, there was, there, was, there, was a, a lot of, there was a lot at stake. And I suppose what summed it up for me was like that, um, Narchi, I knew the pressure was, was, going, was going to be high. Um, but I remember going down to Norm Maguire was the week before the county final, the first day, and um, just to kind of have my brief chat or whatever. And um, I think it was before the training session, and um, I was asking how she was and stuff. And before I left about the door that night to go training, she just said something to me, just spontaneously. She said, Larry, do you know I will have to go to shop in Planet Guilty? if we don't win this match on Sunday. So no pressure. I, I I think that summed it up. I think that summed it all up. And look, that wasn't just a, a, a comment. That was something that was meant because she would have to go to Clannock Hilti to shop because she wouldn't be able to face the Quintus Gibberian if we didn't win that match. So look, that was just the, the rivalry that tension that was there for both teams to try and succeed and um, look it was um, it was a massive occasion 
Nasty when a team loses, you know, the occasion Nasty doesn't seem the same because you want to win. Uh, but I think both teams contributed enormously to it. And probably one of the one of the, I suppose one of the dream finals, and it went to a replay of course. Um, it was one of the dream finals that people will, will will talk about for a long, long time. I mean, it comes true in the book as well, Larry, that you were a man kind of who put his body on the line and. In, in that saga against against Skibbereen, kind of in, in the first game, I think your your shoulder, your your AC joint, you damaged it. And after after the drawing game, you were I think you were told it'd be three months, you'd be out, and you were like, Jesus, the replay's in two weeks, just piece me back together. Kind of looking into the replay, then kind of I know Dr. Conan gave you an, an injection beforehand just to just to help you through kind of how how mobile were you? How how fit were you? Like, would you have passed the fitness test nowadays? I should look. Uh, I was even a lunatic to even have tried to to, to play like. But um, look, we came out of the first game. I suppose battered and bruised. Um, I think probably I don't know. Ross's game were kind of celebrating the fact like that. Um, they had seen myself and John Cleary getting into an ambulance outside the the door in Parky Kiev after the game, heading for uh, heading for the hospital. So. Um, Things weren't. John was in serious trouble. John was after tearing his groin badly, so he was in a, a kind of a no-win situation um, up at the hospital. And uh, I suppose I was in a no-win situation either. When 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 somebody told me, when the doctors told me that um, no real contact for six months, um, so I, I, that wasn't something that I wanted to hear. I I had kind of severed my my AC joint and. Um, I was in a lot of distress and a lot of pain, but um, look, I he put me into a, a sling, and uh, I remember both of us heading down, uh, being picked up uh, by one of the lads at the hospital, and headed back down to my my pub where the other lads was uh, crossing the train station, and um, I suppose drowning our sorrows in a way, like and a lot of probably um, uh, downbeat, even though we had a replay to look forward to. Did, I suppose we were we were certainly uh, weren't upbeat with the fact like that I, I was almost certainly out and John was almost certainly out. So that was kind of what we were facing, and the replay was in two weeks' time. So um, there wasn't uh, a lot of light that night in relation to what was going to happen in the replay. So I, I think there was a bit of doom and gloom. But I think, in fairness to the Haven, the way they are, I think. Things picked up during the week and uh, a train sessions. Now, I didn't attend any of those train sessions because I was under extensive treatment um, three times a day from uh, Nola Connor and Osteopath out in Bishopstown. So, um, a lot of those train sessions I didn't attend. Uh, I don't think I attended. I, I went down once, I think, uh, on the weekend, um, the weekend before the, the second replay. But uh, apart from that, I was in. Uh, uh, heavy treatment every day, as I said, and uh, just to try and I suppose I, I, I always felt I could make it um, in my head, but it didn't. My, my, my shoulder didn't feel that way. It was it was fairly bad, yeah. So, um, but look, um, we we got to Friday before the game, and I remember going um, down to Parky Cave with Francis Collins to try and see could I even hold the, the weight of the ball, and then. Um, I remember coming out of Parky Kiev after just being there, I say, for half an hour. I was I was down. I couldn't hold the weight of the ball, really. It was, uh, it was, it was very, uh, I suppose, very severe pain. 
and um, I rang Christy Collins at night, who was the Christy and Jim Nolan were the were the managers, and um, I told him like that um, I, I I I I wasn't available to play. I was I was I was I couldn't move my arm, and and Francis Collins uh, had had kind of given given him the same kind of an answer to Christy as well, like that there was no way I'd be able to play. So what happened from Friday night till Sunday? It was. Um, I suppose I got no treatment on Saturday and I probably left the shoulder to be able to kind of settle down a bit. And um, I had taken a trip out to Dr. Khan on the Saturday and I asked him, uh, was there anything he could do to get me on the field? So he said he'd see me in Blackrock on the, on the, on the Sunday morning. And amazing, I, 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 I don't know whether it's just the... I suppose the the momentum or the the tension and the excitement and the thrill of of of, of getting out there and playing. I just when I woke up Sunday morning, I, I just felt a bit better, and um, went down to Black Rock and um, they had made a decision on their team of of, of what to do. And um, I think Christy Collins approached me and asked me would I would I consider playing full forward, um, because. Uh, Maybe you know, just being in there uh, might, might might be a big, just a big impact. So, look, I I remember going down uh, in part of Black Rock and uh, just outside the pitch there, and Niall was kicking me a few balls, and I was just I was I was comfortable enough, kind of um, uh, grabbing the ball chest in my chest, but I, I I couldn't really raise my hand above my head. It was still giving me a little bit of trouble. So, um, this is where Doctor Khan came in then, and. Uh, he said that he would give me an injection that would kind of kill that pain and be able to raise my arm above my head. So he said he'd have to just inject me before the game and um, then it possibly wouldn't get a half an hour, might wear off after 20 minutes. So And then do the same, then the start of the second half. So uh, look, I said, why not? I was willing to give it everything. So um, the name me had full forward and... Shoulder is something you just can't strap. Like it's 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 one of those areas where you just can't kind of um, help it in, in relation to strapping or padding or something like that. I was able to put a little bit of a soft part over the bone, um, a bit of a cushion, and and to, to, but it, it wasn't massively helpful. But um, I just remember just parading around at parade, and just before the the throwing, I got the injection. And you know what? I just went in, and I was just felt I was a new man. I just felt no pain. And I remember the first ball came into me, and I caught it nearly above my head, and I just couldn't believe it. From there on, it just um, I just wiped it on my head, and uh, I just felt maybe the pain coming again, maybe five minutes before halftime, uh, and then uh, similarly in the second half, then. Uh, the same thing was was done. I got the injection just before the throw in the second half, and uh, just uh, I just think it was just the, the 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 pride of being able to just play with the haven. And uh, every time I went out, uh, I just tried to give it everything that was in that jersey. That it meant so much to me. And uh, look, it was a, a, another massive day. It was another special day, and. Um, uh, an incredible, an incredible two games, uh, you know, with 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 an incredible two teams, really. And um, like you said, you were, you played that day. Castlehaven won, and, and the rest is history. It was a, another huge moment for for Castlehaven. I'm not going to keep you too much longer, Larry. You've been so so kind with your time. 
um, as we chat about so some of the stories and your story from from your book um, autobiography believe which like i said earlier is available in all shops now you can even buy it online and it's the ideal christmas present for not just a GA fan in your life but a sports fan in your life and i'd even tell people even be selfish buy it for yourself you know kind of i popped into a bookstore in clarity to buy it so you've You've carried people buying the book in, in, in Kerry, Larry, so your story is emanating right across the country. Um, but we're talking there about, about how you put your body in the line, and I just want to take you back to the time you went across to Manchester United for, for treatment, I think it was around 88. I'm a Man United fan, a kind of a, at the moment, a suffering Man United fan again, because they're going through this cycle of good, bad, 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 good. But take me back to when you went across to the cliff um, for, kind of for treatment back, I think it was 88, and... I think you, you, you met Sir Alex Ferguson, Norman Whiteside, Clayton Blackmore. Looking back now, kind of, is, is that almost surreal to think that that, that happened, that to, you, were, you were injured at time and it was arranged to go across to Manchester United for treatment? Like, that was, that's an incredible story. Yeah, look, um, look, I, I suppose, like, I, 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 I mightn't have kind of uh, viewed these guys maybe in the, in the, in the kind of the, 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 the bright lights like that maybe a lot of people would like uh, well I don't say that in a, in, a, in a small way I respect every guy and every sports person and I think that you know I massive massive admiration for GA players because like they're they have to be the leaders of their club and then they're, they're playing at a high competitive level at inter-county level and they're working then in between as well to try and keep down a job and there's so much Pressure in every sense of the way, like for an intercounty player. So, like, I've massive respect for GA players, and I, I've always felt like that GA players could compete, like at the, the they have incredible skills levels, and they can compete in a lot of sports at professional levels, with an opportunity to go one way or the other. Like these guys could make it anywhere. So, like, I suppose I went and feeling like that, I was I was in my head like that I could you know, compete against any of these guys, like, but equally, naturally, it was, uh, it was brilliant to see how the professionals go about things, and I suppose I hit Man United at a time when things weren't so good, like, um, mm. there was uh, a drink culture in Man United, that time was incredible, like, um, uh, you know, people would tell you they were close to the scene, like, that, um, I'd often ask the question, like, will United do any good this year, and, when I was there and people would tell you like whether it was the taxi drivers that were commuting to Man United all the time or the groundsmen that was uh, he was there and had worked with Man United for over 50 years and their, their, their thing was like yeah they'll win the drinking competition because every every night they were celebrating or down in the local establishments and, 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 and really you know really drinking heavy like and I was um, I was being picked up every morning I was staying in the Copthorne Hotel uh, right beside Old Trafford. I was being picked up every morning by Brian Robson, who was the captain of Man United that time, a hell of a player, and Paul McGrath. And like Brian was put off the road, like for um, you know getting into a car and he and he and he full of drink. And of course, Paul was in a state of you know, uh, you know, he was probably a high drinker at that time. So like. Um, these guys were picking me up every morning with the smell, smell of booze on them and, and, and driving down to the cliff training ground and they asking me like, and, like to come to the local boozer that night or come on down and try. I'd go down because it would, would be only kind of maybe five or ten minutes walk or whatever or you could call this taxi man that 
that they would be they they come there to pick up all the United players. I was kind of a, uh, access to all those things. So I went down a few nights and and they telling me like this, um, you know, how much money was I on? And I was here was I preparing for another and replay and. Uh, you know, these guys are professionals and they're drinking down loads of pints and I drinking a ballygown or a seven up and here was a scratching my head coming back and I said, Jesus, what's that what's happening here? Is it it, it 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 seems to be the other way around, you know what I mean? So um look, it was it was just uh, fantastic to see to say how like Narchi they don't have to you know, they arrive in the mornings at the cliff training ground, they don't have to bring even a they don't have to even bring a towel you know what I mean? All the gear is 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 there for them. It's all washed. It's all ready. It's all ready to go out for their training sessions in the morning. And they'll be they'll arrive at nine o'clock. They'll be on the field for uh, ready to go at quarter to ten. And uh, they'll train for maybe uh, could be an hour and a half, all depending on uh, if it's a Tuesday. They might train a little bit longer, do different things. They might be there at twelve o'clock. Uh, if there's a mass the weekend, or if it's a Thursday. And the playing Saturday, and that session could be an hour and a quarter, um, and then they come in like Nashi, they, they they have their big uh, big baths and pools and whirlpools and uh, down in the in the in the, the lower end of the dressing rooms, and then they head up then up to the third floor then and the cliff train and have uh, all their lunches there for them. So like, um, yeah, it was uh, nice to see the way how everything is kind of done for the professionals. Yeah, it was um, they. Um, they had really everything that they wanted, really, and uh, everything was looked after for them. And uh, but I just couldn't get over, like I suppose the the the. Uh, I suppose I was looking ahead in the sense that here, if I was a professional getting paid, like and, and uh, my my manner of commitment, I felt like that uh, which I had at the time uh, certainly wouldn't have been up to spec, like. And uh, I think it was something that Ferguson was at a knife point really to get right, and. Um, I think he sorted out a lot of them fellas over the next 12 months. So, um, uh, look, I met Ferguson, a great chat with him, and uh, uh, there was a physio there that time, a Scottish guy, Jim McGregor. Uh, Jim looked after me fantastic, and, um, you know, had the opportunity of being in the, uh, at a game uh, in the dugout, um, and also, you know, trained a few times in Old Trafford, uh, and went through my fitness test then uh, when I, before I came back to make sure that I was okay to play, that um, McGregor signed the dotted line, that I was 100% to, to be able to play on the replay. Like you mentioned earlier, you met Sir Alex Ferguson before he was Sir Alex. That was He was a manager under pressure back then in, in the late 80s. He kind of just, he'd just come down from Aberdeen and things weren't going well, obviously, until the 90s. But what was it like meeting him, kind of? You said you had a conversation there. Could you sense... Jesus, there's something about this fella, like he can do something here. Could you, even from meeting him that once or having that conversation with him, that first conversation, could you could you send something about him, Larry? Well, I think that he was, uh, I think the most important thing was that he was, um, <coughs> he seemed very passionate. He seemed um, uh, very much kind of uh, to get into a player's head, like, you know, I think that's why he kind of, you know, Usually he might just come in and, 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 and kind of briefly meet you for a minute and go. But he just kind of wanted to get to know me, like as, even as a, a person. like And um, uh, I think that was his big thing. I think he really kind of uh, was able to kind of get players to open up and to see where they're really committed to what he wanted. And I think that was his hallmark of success, really. And um, uh, equally like to his... 
uh, I suppose his 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 manner of um, of wanting you. Like he he left no one question to me that day. Like look, he said, "You're here now." He says, "You're a Manchester United player." He said, "Anything that that man there was not actually Norman Whitehead was behind beside me." He said, "Anything that Norman Whitehead will get, Larry Tompkins will get." So like you know, everything is here for you. If you want anything, it's here. Taxis out of here, picked up in the mornings. Uh, your food here. Um, Jim will uh, go through all the, the treatment in relation to uh, what you need to do. And he said, have no hesitation in relation to any games or anything you want to go to, you're a Manchester United player. And that's how he kind of came across to me. Straight away, he made you as welcome as one of his, whether it was Brian Robson he was talking to. It was just the same thing. And, uh, you know, I just felt him so warm in relation to that, like that straight away he was just a guy like that was really on your side. And that coming away from there, you'd say, Jesus, yeah, I'd do anything for that guy. So that's why I think I, if there was one thing I picked up, I think that players would certainly uh, would want to do anything for him. Like, uh, but at the time, I think, and you're right, Kieran, Man United had a lot of players that probably weren't row, rowing into that. Uh, you had Lee Sharp, you had Clayton Blackmore. Um, I suppose McGrath was a hell of a player, but you know he needed to be sorted out in, in, in certain ways. But Norman Whiteside was probably the young kid on the block at the time. He was the real star. Um, I think Norman proved afterwards he wasn't. Uh, it wasn't for Alex Ferguson going forward, like in relation to what uh, Norman Whiteson wasn't willing to do it. So he 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 kind of put him to one side. You know what I mean? So um, I think he really gives you. Um, what he wants, and he will really do anything for you <coughs> if you do a hundred percent. It's an incredible story, Larry. You tell it so well in the book. And my final question for you um, is just about, I suppose, the current Cork football team. And we're actually recording this chat before the Munster semi-final between Cork and Kerry on, which would have been on last Sunday. So we obviously don't know the results of how that game went. But just get your thoughts in general on on Cork football. There's been a couple of years there where obviously standards have dipped and the team didn't go as well as they'd hoped they would slip into to, to Division 3 and so on. But the last 12-18 months, it seems to be pointed in the right direction, kind of we've the Cork under 20s coming in now there's, um, it, it just seems there's a lot more positivity around this Cork football team one promotion straight back up to, to Division 2 where that's the least they need to be. So just to get your own thoughts Larry, as a, as, as a man who's won so much and achieved so much with Cork do you feel, I suppose to give hope to the football fans out there that, that Cork football is going towards a, towards a, a far better place than it has been? Well, first of all, I would say about Cork, uh, Cork have you, I, I, there's never a problem with talent in Cork. Like, that's number one. Uh, Cork possesses incredible talent. Like, and I think that uh, it's fallen to the wayside a little bit over the last number of years because I think that Lots of good young players have been lost. Like, you know, go back, it was 10, maybe more, 10 years ago, I watched Cork and the 21 team play Kerry in, in Parky Ring and Cork hammered them off the field and Kieran Sheehan's time, he was playing the same night. And like, Cork really didn't, a lot of those players didn't come through in the manner of the way people were watching that game that night and saying to themselves, there's a bright future here for Cork. 
football. Still, Kerry produced more players that came forward and played at senior level than Cork did on that night, even though Cork absolutely hammered them out of sight. I think you had a lot of years like that, like a lot of the young, good young players that were very promising were kind of, weren't kind of brought onto the scene early enough. Um, they were let drift, and then when they did probably want them, they kind of were asked to kind of come into a setup for, uh, and then to try and produce the goods. I think what you need to do now, and I think it's happening now over the last year or two, is that good young players that you see at 18 years of age, and I always feel like that you're never too young to bring into a, into, in, into a senior setup. You might get to a stage where you're a bit old, but certainly you're never too young. And I think it's so important for car football to get those young players at 18 and 19 years of age, bring them into the senior set and uh, uh, do what I said with the, in relation to what Alex Ferguson would do. Say to them, look, we know that you have the talent to make this. We're putting you in here for two years. We want to see your commitment, your application, and certainly we will give you the experience in, in drafting you into a few games here or there. But the main thing is to build you into this mold and to build you into this cell. That when you become 20 in two years' time or 21, that you are ready to go out there and be able to prove to me or anybody that you're one of the best footballers in Ireland. And I don't think you can do that bringing in guys where you've missed that opportunity for that two years to uh, go through the strength and conditioning that's needed today. And um, I think you lose them. And I think that Cork football have lost an awful lot of players uh, over the long number of years because they haven't brought them in early enough. And these players won't hang on because there's other things in life now. It's different from when I was growing up. You didn't have all of those side attractions. You didn't have all these all these other opportunities, whether it's rugby, whether it's soccer, uh, whether they go play hurling, whatever it is. We're looking here at football that we don't want to lose the good young players to anything else and I think you need to be able to grasp my young level and bring them forward in that manner and I think that has been happening over the last year or two and certainly we should be looking forward now to a real bright future over the next number of years if these players are developed in the, in the manner of what I said and it was encouraging last year to see them go through get to the Super 8s have a hell of a game again Kerry in the Munster final and then advance then to the Super 8s and be able to compete then again, the likes of Dublin, the likes of Tyrone, who I felt like that, that Cork had to beat at Tyrone on that, night, on, on, that, on that evening, and they let it slip. But I do think there was a very encouraging signs there uh, moving forward. I think Cork are going in the right direction, and hopefully we can get players that, are, that really are committed and want to wear that jersey with pride and distinction and honour and everything that you that everybody out there would die to do. Like, uh, you know, my last day I wore the county jersey was 98. I was manager. And do you know what? I, I, I felt, you know, every day I went out, it was such an honour to wear it. Like, And um, I think that's what players have to get inside them like that. And if Cork get that kind of a mentality inside them in relation to honouring the jersey and really giving everything inside of them, then there will be a force in the next few years. That's a fantastic place to finish with, Larry. Again, thank you so much. You've been so kind with your time this morning. We're obviously chatting about your book, Believe, the Larry Tompkins autobiography. And 
we've just just to just tip of the iceberg stuff we've we touched on in, in this chat Larry there's so much more in this book and like I've said a couple of times it's, it's well worth getting your hands on for all our listeners pick it up for yourself pick it up for a present it's a brilliant brilliant read and you come away I suppose knowing a lot more about Larry Tompkins the footballer but almost more importantly a lot more about Larry Tompkins the man and I think that shines true in the book so congratulations on a superb book Larry and the very very best to look with it and thank you for joining us well, well, I just want to thank all your listeners there and thank yourself for giving me the time. Um, I've always a very soft spot for West Cork. I think it's a massive place, uh, massive teams and uh, massive people that I've met over the years. And uh, look, if you're in soul search of the book, uh, it's, it's, it's all over West Cork. I, I have uh, in Castle Townsend with Black McGuire there in the shop there. And also uh, a link there is JC Daly and Drina as well in the, in the post office. He has a culmination of places where the book can be got. So, look, uh, thanks for your time, Kieran. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I owe so much to Castlehaven and to West Cork. And, uh, look, it, it's really made my career. And uh, I just want to thank everybody down there that uh, supported me over a long number of years. Brilliant. Thank you, Larry. Oh, well, thanks. Delighted to be joined by Avril Condell of Access Credit Union, who's here to tell us a little bit about cultivate farm finance so avril maybe just give us a brief introduction to what cultivate farm finance actually is so cultivate is a collaboration of 40 credit unions uh, throughout ireland and um, west cork has both access credit union and bantry credit union uh, the loan itself is up to seventy-five thousand unsecured uh, for seven years is the max term but obviously can be uh, personalized and customized to each individual's needs um, it's a great facility actually for, for farmers um, because it covers cash flow, um, machinery purchases, like there's a fertilizer crisis now as we know. Um, so literally anything that is required for the farm can be covered by this loan. The, the rate is very competitive and uh, we can match the, the repayment term and the um, repayment frequency to each individual farmer depending on their enterprise. Um, and you also have the benefit of the life cover that comes with the credit union loan, which I think is very important for people these days at no extra cost. And if I'm a farmer and I'm listening to you on this podcast today, how can I get involved? So if you're not sure of which credit union um, you're involved with, you can go to Cultivate Credit Union directly, which is www.cultivate-cu.ie or you can phone 1800 and if Access is your credit union, you can contact me directly. So it's avril at accesscu.ie or you can ring me on 085-268-2727. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back with a brand new episode later in the week. So forgive us for playing you a classic one on this occasion. Our hands were Tied. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán Tommel.